0: Up next, Rob Smith is problematic. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network.
1: While you were enjoying hot dogs, hamburgers, and fireworks on your Independence Day, the powerful, wealthy, and influential people who run this country were busy taking to social media to talk about how much they hated this performative wokeness from the left. Is wrong. It's hurtful, and it will destroy America, which is exactly what they want. This is Rob Smith is problematic. <laughs> Not going to come as a surprise to the people that listen to this podcast, the people that follow me, that I love the 4th of July. I always have, even before I got, went into the military, even before I became sort of a, a center right uh, conservative commentator. I've always loved the 4th of July, and I'm going to tell you why. To me, the 4th of July has always been about coming together as Americans, it has been about fireworks, it's been about hot dogs, hamburgers, spending time with your family, doing all of these things um, that make our country great and that make America great and to also come together in celebration of the greatness um, that is our country. And up until recently, this is what the 4th of July has been about, and it has been a bipartisan thing. It has been among Democrats, among Republicans, independents, whatever. Everybody came together on the 4th of July to love America and to celebrate America. But now, that is not what it is anymore. It is turning into something else. So recently, over the past couple of years, every Fourth of July, every Independence Day, like clockwork, um, the America-hating faction on the left is sort of activated in this way, right? So now these people talk about how much they hate America. They talk about how America is racist and sexist and homophobic and, and all of these different things. And now these people kind of have this bully pulpit to do this. And the interesting thing to me, about the people that are using this opportunity now to go all in on how much they hate America is that this stuff is coming from the most wealthy, powerful, privileged, and influential people that have actually been elected to represent America, and that is the craziest thing to me. And so I'm going to share you um, uh, share with you a couple of things. So this is Maxine Waters on Twitter. We gotta love Auntie Maxine. Literally one of the biggest crooks in Congress, one of the biggest grifters in American politics. And let me tell you something, that is saying a lot. And this is what Maxine Waters says. July 4th, and so the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal. Equal to what? What men? Only white men? Isn't it something that they wrote this in 1776 when African Americans were enslaved? They weren't thinking about us then, but we're thinking about us now. And this is when she gets into the politics, and this is what tells you that this is all about politics. Further, the Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be quote-unquote self-evident, yet, and this is her tweet, 17 states have enacted voter suppression laws, Supreme Court gutted Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, need I say more, hashtag July 4th. So this is the leftist talking points right here. And it's very interesting to me that now, you know, the, the, the BLM and, and all of that other stuff. So now that is a part of the anti-America talking points um, that are coming from the left. It, it gives me a little bit of, uh, of joy to realize that Maxine Waters was completely ratioed for this tweet. And ratio means there are more comments than retweets. So she got dragged through the mud on Twitter. Um, for these tweets, and rightfully so. But she is not the only one. She is not the only elected member of Congress that uses the Independence Day holiday to bash America. Listen to what Cori Bush tweeted on July 4th. When they say that the 4th of July is about American freedom, remember this, the freedom they're referring to is for white people. This land is stolen land, and black people still aren't free. So this is what these people think about the 4th of July. This is what these people think about America on the 4th of July. This is what these people that were elected officials that swore an oath to protect and defend and honor America, this is what they think. And the interesting thing about Corey Bush is that she probably didn't even tweet this on July 4th. She probably scheduled this to tweet weeks ahead because she knew exactly what her talking points were going to be um, on the 4th of July. And the interesting thing to me, is this. I am all about, and it, you know, if you guys watch my stuff, so I did Outnumbered on Fox News for the first time this week. And, and of course, this stuff came up because we filmed that um, on July 5th. It is important to not ignore the parts of American history that were deeply unfair to certain groups of people in the society. That is absolutely true. Um, Were black people still slaves during the declaration of independence? Like absolutely people know that. Um, And anybody that knows American history knows these things. But if you take America for the good and the bad and you, you, realize that we are continuing to and have continued to create a more perfect union um, and take what was written back then in the context of today's society, this stuff still stands. And for me, I call this sort of super far left woke stuff, particularly when it comes on July 4th, I call it performative because performative is exactly what it is. You have to understand that Corey Bush is a very far-left Democrat in Congress. She has a far-left activist base to stoke. Maxine Waters is one of the most useless Congresswomen in American history, she is absolutely useless. I have to tell you guys, Maxine Waters is somebody who does absolutely nothing. She doesn't like she does nothing. So of course, she needs this sort of anti-American sentiment to to stoke her base as well. And what they need to do is they really do need to put this stuff out there to deflect from the fact that these people don't do anything, right? And so, this is what the 4th of July is turning into, and there's also something else. There is a writer named Tore, who um, I had a, a sort of passing um, you know, acquaintancehip with when he lived when I lived in New York, and so this is Torre that wrote an opinion piece for the Griot, uh, which is you know this this pro black um, independent blog. It used to be owned by NBC News, it was bought by MSNBC, but now um, it is independent. This is uh, his uh, piece. It says, "F the Fourth of July, the only Independence Day I recognize is Juneteenth." And this stuff that we're seeing. Now, I criticize conservatives a lot, and I criticize conservatives a lot on a couple of episodes ago where I was just like, look, Juneteenth is a part of American history. Um, you cannot ignore this stuff, and you cannot say, well, we can't celebrate Juneteenth or it shouldn't be a federal holiday, particularly not when President Trump was running for, for president. He said one of his goals was to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. But some of the conservative criticism that was coming about Juneteenth was that now this is going to be used as something that is going. Going to Stoke Division in advance of the Independence Day holiday. And I realized that critique. And I acknowledged it, and I agree with a part of it, and I have to say that this critique of Juneteenth as a holiday is exactly right, because now you're going to have the far-left people like Torre, people like Cori Bush, people like Maxine Waters. And now look, Cory Bush and Maxine Waters didn't do it this year, but you know, give them a couple more years. This is where this is all heading. So now it's going to be like, black people, we have our own Independence Day. Our Independence Day is Juneteenth. Our Independence Day is not the 4th of July, so we shouldn't even celebrate that anymore. I am of the personal mind that you should celebrate both. Juneteenth is, if you do not know, if you're not aware, Juneteenth is the official ending of slavery in the United States. That is what Juneteenth is all about. In, in my opinion, as somebody who recognizes American history and loves America, you can take both of these and the fact that they they happen you know, within weeks of each other and make that be a very positive moment and lesson for America. This is something, in these two holidays together, these are truly things that can bring Americans together, but you have to understand the way the far left works. The far left has absolutely zero interest in bringing Americans together. Maxine Waters and Cori Bush and people that are on the far left in that way have absolutely zero interest um, in bringing togetherness. And and this is what um, this writer, Torre, says. And this is very interesting um, because this is what he referenced. And this is, you know, this is a part of American history, too. He referenced uh, a Frederick Douglass speech that was called What to the Slave is the Fourth of July?, Um, And this is what Frederick Douglass says. A day that reveals to him more than all of the days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boosted liberty and unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery. And so this is something that Frederick Douglass Said while Frederick Douglass was literally had been, you know, either recently free or still fighting for the ending of slavery. So there was a point to that in that moment. And what I despise about the left and what I despise about the argument that the Fourth of July isn't something that should be celebrated to all Americans is that there is never any sort of um, recognition. Uh, there is no sort of realization that American has co- America has come as far as we have. So to me, it's disingenuous and kind of a lie to quote Frederick Douglass in a piece that says F the 4th of July in 2021. Black people are no longer slaves. Black people are not being held down in that way in this country anymore. But yet, the people that seek to divide America and seek to make Juneteenth a separate thing from from Independence Day instead of a holiday that we celebrate in conjunction with Independence Day. These people want to separate America. And this is what he finishes off the the, the piece with writing. In a world where the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Eric Garner and more remain hyper present in the black mind, we still see shocking and sometimes bloody things happening to black bodies because of the people of America. So miss me with your 4th of July celebration this year and every year. The only Independence Day I recognize is Juneteenth. So look. You have to understand that this is only the beginning of this. This is the only beginning of this kind of separation. Now, I have seen the Juneteenth flags with the Black Lives Matter flag and all of that other stuff. So, this is only the beginning of this stuff. And what I'm telling you is that this is performative wokeness. This writer needs to have his weekly column and he needs to get clicks. He knows that. Instead of doing the work to cultivate a truly independent audience, instead of being truly independent in what you say and what you think, you are speaking to the lowest common leftist denominator, and that is what that piece is all about. Maxine Waters and Cori Bush, instead of professing to love the country that they swore an oath to protect, the country that made them both elected members of Congress— Instead, they want to bash America. This wokeness is performative. I don't believe that it's real. I don't believe that these people truly believe this in their hearts and in their minds, this is something that they have to say for their base. And I have to tell you guys this because I have conservatives, liberals, independents, libertarians, all those people listen to me. It takes a sort of bravery and boldness to truly be independent and truly say whatever it is that you think. And that is not what these people are doing right now. They're being performative because, as I said on the last episode of this podcast, hating America is in vogue right now. Hating America is just the cool thing to do right now. My question is, where does this all go? When we have like, and, and you know what, in, in outside of Torre, this is just a, this is just a this is a writer. You know, this is a writer as a podcaster. This is not that he's not going to you know um, have an effect on the direction of America either way, right? So so even ignore him. But when you have sitting members of Congress saying things like this, where does this all go? Where does this lead? Does it lead to a unified America? Does it lead to a multiracial democracy in which we all work together, love one another, and love the country that we live in? Absolutely not. What this leads to is more separation, more division, more divisiveness, so that Americans can be turned against one another. This is the plan. This is what they are doing right now. So my advice to everyone that is watching this performativity, to everyone that is paying attention to all of this stuff, you have to realize exactly what these things are. And if you notice, when you listen to me talk about these things, I'm very rarely angry about them. It doesn't make me angry because I know exactly what it is. This is a performance. So my advice to you, when you see the performances like this happening, when you see Corey Bush... Um, a sitting congresswoman bashing America, when you see Maxine Waters bashing America, when you see um, these op-ed pieces by writers who just, they just want retweets. When you see that stuff, you have to realize exactly what it is. It is performative wokeness. And my advice to you is to close the curtain on all of it shut down social media, turn off your computer, go out, live your life, celebrate Independence Day with your family and friends, celebrate America. Because the performative wokeness that is coming from the left is going to do nothing but tear us all apart. But it can only tear us apart if you let it and if you keep on paying attention to it. So like I said, turn it off next up in case you didn't know it's republicans who wanted to defund the police all along yes the left is really going along with that lie in the hopes that you are stupid enough to believe it and i will tell you why after the break Let's talk about Defund the Police, which, by the way, absolutely did not come from Republicans and came from the far-left woke mob who started on Twitter but now has sitting members in Congress doing their bidding. The Defund the Police narrative started coming along. I mean, I can remember the Defund the Police narrative and talking points starting, I would say, probably about three to four years ago, right? We had, I would say, around the summer of 2016, because that was when when we had BLM protests, we had the Black Lives Matter Inc. was really sort of starting, to, um, starting to, to mature as a political movement or whatever you want to call it. And there were a lot of protests about that. And when we saw the BLM stuff, we started hearing about people um, wanting to defund the police. Now, this stuff came after they have stoked this sort of anti-police rhetoric and this sort of anti-cop hatred that you will see in cities all across the country, particularly our larger cities, um, hypocritically enough, the larger cities that need police more than ever. So you saw this in the Twitter and Facebook videos. You saw people throwing water balloons at police officers. You saw people spraying police officers with water guns, with super soakers, all that stuff, laughing, dumping trash on police officers. You saw all of this stuff in 2016 and 2018, right? So now... After all of that was said and done, and it still happens to this day, by the way, this is where the defund the police narrative started. This is when you started hearing stuff from AOC, far-left Democrats, where they were talking about their intentions to defund the police. I want you to listen to, this is a supercut of very prominent Democrats that are talking about defunding the police because this is not a right-wing talking point. This is not Republican conjecture. This is what they really said. Listen to this
0: the reality is we can't rely upon the police to provide public safety
1: it's a moment to reimagine policing to take things off the shoulders
0: in many cities in america
1: over one-third of their city budget goes to police so we have to have this conversation what are we doing so this is pretty much prominent democrats that were talking about defunding the police, and they were talking about that far left defund the police narrative. And so a lot of this stuff was happening, like I said, this stuff took hold in about 2018, and it really, really took foot in 2020. And and this is why. And, And this is the sort of the disingenuousness that happens with the Democrats and with the left. So they started pushing a defund the police narrative because they literally will push anything that they think is popular with that far-left, super-woke Democrat base. And the issues that I have with this is, first of all, there are far-left woke Democrats, and then there are basic mainstream liberals. Mainstream liberals generally don't believe in the defund the police rhetoric, but they are so cowed and so afraid of the far-left Democrat hordes that they will not really say this stuff. And so they thought... That this pulled well for them. They thought that Democrats thought and the left thought that if they said this and kept on saying it over and over and over again, that this would work out well for them and that they would be able to get elected on this stuff, right? But now we realize that this was not true. We realize that there is a crime wave that is going on in this country, that is a direct result of the defund the police rhetoric and the defund the police stuff and the anti-police hatred that they stoked. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples here. I'm going to give you some numbers. These are murder rates. These are literally homicides in 2021 compared to 2020 year to date in some major cities all across the country. Portland, murders up 800% in Portland, 56% in Minneapolis, up 40% in Philadelphia, 35% in Washington, D.C., 27% in L.A., 22% in New York City, 22% in Chicago. So that is what is going on right here. These are the results of the defund the police rhetoric. And now here's the thing. Democrats don't really care about anything but what the polling says, and this is what I told you guys about people that are being performative, people that are saying things that are not real because they're politicians or because they have a base to kowtow to or whatever. The polling is bad with defund the police. Defund the police does not work with the majority of people, liberals or conservatives. And now they started to see that. So now they saw it when they nearly lost the House in 2022. And there was that um, that sort of centrist Democrat that had that leaked um, audio from the Washington Post where she was basically saying to the House caucus that this far left defund the police rhetoric, these things are hurting us. These things hurt us in 2020. This is why we nearly lost, lost the House, which is, by the way, why they're likely going to lose the House in 2022. This stuff is is not polling well with people. And so now that they realize that this stuff isn't polling well, that they realize that the vast majority of people do not want the police defunded. By the way, shout out to Eric Adams, who just won the Democrat primary for mayor in New York City, which basically means he's going to be the next mayor of New York City because he is a liberal, he's a Democrat that run Uh, on a pro-police ticket. He said that absolutely we need more policing in this city. Absolutely crime is going up. So shout out to him. But now the left is starting to figure out that this stuff just doesn't play, that this stuff just doesn't work out. So now they are trying to say that it is Republicans that want to defund the police. Listen to Jen Psaki with some of the biggest spin you will ever hear in your life saying that Republicans are the ones who want to defund the police and twisting herself into pretzels in order to do this. This is crazy. Listen to this. He said Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But uh, how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the
0: president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat in communities across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat.
1: But at the time that was told this uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic related budget shortfall, not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave.
0: Uh, I think that any local uh, department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe, when they had to, because of budget shortfalls, fire police is is something that helped them address yep. crime in their local communities.
1: Local communities. The White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. Uh, it's going to put us on the path to beating the virus. Not.
0: It did those things as well. It was a pretty good bill piece of legislation.
1: Now this is some spin. Let me tell you something you say one thing about Jensaki she is good at her job because that job is to spend and oh my good god did she spend that so her argument is this her argument is that when Republicans voted against one of those massive bills which was like literally one of the biggest you know government bailouts in American history that that awful awful stimulus plan um, that that multi-trillion dollar plan which by the way so much of that that government money was wasteful so little of it went to the American people I still think that, that that voting for that bill was was absolutely ridiculous. But now she is trying to say that the Republicans that did not vote for this bill in principle were uh, voting against funding the police because this bill was meant to fund the police. It is an outright lie. It is outright spin, and I'm telling you, these people think that you are stupid because like, and that was uh, Fox News' Peter Ducey, which by the way is the only one who asks any kinds of tough questions um in that White House press briefing room so they want you believe That when they were out here pushing for one of those ridiculous stimulus checks, one of those ridiculous stimulus plans, the three trillion dollars that all of our great grandchildren are going to be paying for, the three trillion dollars, which by the way, I'm only fourteen hundred dollars of which went to the American people, and so many other. And I remember I I broke this down in some recent uh, in a previous episode. I think that there was literally millions of dollars that went to Kamala Harris's alma mater, Howard. Like there was just there was so much poor. In that bill is ridiculous. But now she's trying to make it seem like they were pressing, they were pushing this as funding for the police. Like I said, because these people really do think that you are stupid. They think that you do not pay attention. And these people like to talk a lot about disinformation and misinformation. That is exactly what this is. And I'm going to play you this is President Trump. This is him speaking about this spin and how this is basically a massive disinformation campaign meant to confuse you and meant to basically underline the fact that, like I said, these people think that you are stupid. Listen to Trump's words on this.
0: Just to finish, they are in a major disinformation campaign now. The Democrats are trying to say the Republicans, listen to this one, wanted to defund the police. Now they're saying also... They wanted to build the wall, but we got out in the way. They wanted to stop the border, but we got in the way. It's like Russia, Russia, Russia. Trump was friendly with Russia. You know, I heard the story first time. They said, sir, do you know anything about Russia? No, no, not at all. A month later, sir, do you know anything about Russia? No. After four or five times, they said, what the hell is going on with Russia? Sir, they said you're very close to Russia. No, they turned out to be the ones, after two years of the Mueller hoax, they turned out to be the ones who were close to
1: Russia. And so you have to understand that these people will just outright lie. And like I've said before, there's a lot of tactics that are being used by this White House and by this administration. Um, one tactic is to outright lie, one tactic is to spin. But also, when it comes to this defund the police stuff, now that they realize that most people do not want this, that they realize that most people, and these are, and, and I'm telling you, these are most Democrats do not believe um, in defunding the police. Most people that vote liberal do not believe in defunding the police. Now they're trying to back off from this. And the, the thing that I hate about this the most is that these are not black liberals that live in these cities that are pushing this defund the police stuff. These are, for the most part, and there are studies that back this up, these are, for the most part, Wealthy white liberals that live on the coasts, that live in big cities, that are virtue signaling by saying this stuff, they do not live in these neighborhoods that need to be policed. They do not live in the neighborhoods that are crime ridden. They do not live in the neighborhoods like in Chicago. And listen, actually, no, I'm sorry. This is in New York City over the 4th of July weekend. 44 people were shot in 24 hours, nine people were murdered, six shootings in 50 minutes. This was. Um, on the front, front page of the Daily News about the violence that happened over the 4th of July in New York City. This same kind of violence happens in Chicago, Philly, D.C., New York, all of the major cities that Democrats run all across this country. Their policies hurt the people that live in these cities. How many wealthy white liberals live in these cities and do not live in either gated communities in the suburbs Or live in buildings that have security and all of that other stuff. Not very many. So what you have is you have a class of guilty white liberals that are pushing forward these ideas and these policies that make them feel good but actually hurt the lives of most Americans. And by the way, this is not just black Americans um, that this affects. There's an awful story that is coming out of Chicago right now about a student that was literally, and, and I have to tell you this, this is the saddest story in the world. This was a University of Chicago student. His name is Max Lewis. He was shot on the Green Line train by a stray bullet. Spent days in the hospital. He was paralyzed from the neck down. The prognosis was that he would never walk or eat again, and he'd likely need a ventilator for the rest of his life. He blinked communication to his family to take him off of life support, to basically pull the plug because he didn't want to live like this. These defund the police policies, the violence that is going on in the city. This stuff hurts people. And Democrats don't care. They do not care that it hurts people. They do not care that it's hurting black people, white people, Asian people, just Americans that are living in these cities. And this is a real story. Young man's name, Max Lewis, 20 years old shot by a straight bullet. So these are the things that are really happening. And my advice, and, and what we really need to do, Democrats and the left and liberals need to be taught a lesson. And they need to be taught a lesson this generation that is going to reverberate for generations. They need, These people need to be voted out of office. And they need to be voted out of power on the local level and the national level. They need to be voted out of Congress. They need to be voted out of the White House. They need to be voted off of the school boards, the city councils every single thing because their policies hurt. They do not help. We need people that are open and honest and real about the crime that's happening in this country. We need people that are telling the truth about the fact that this defund the police rhetoric and all of this stuff came from nobody but the left. It did not come from Republicans. And back to New York City, the city that I lived in for well over a decade, I still go back and forth to New York City a lot for work right now. I hope and I pray to God that Eric Adams, while a Democrat, I hope that he changes things in that city. That city is more dangerous than it has ever been in the decade plus that I've lived there. It is more dangerous than it has ever been. The anti-cop rhetoric is worse than it has ever been. Um, Shootings are up. Crime is up. And the Democrats need to be taught a lesson that people are not going to stand for this. Eric Adams won as mayor in New York City because he ran on a pro-policing platform. And so what we need to do is to make sure that anybody that is not pro-policing, anybody that is espousing this defund the police narrative gets voted out because this stuff is hurting and killing Americans. And do not take their spin that this is coming from Republicans. And it is a ridiculous lie that they tell because they know that people are stupid enough to believe it and they think that you are. So do not prove them right. Former President Trump is suing big tech. We're going to break down what he had to say about big tech censorship and what this lawsuit means for big tech censorship after the break. Trump's been gone for a minute, but now he is back. Well, he never really left. I mean, he's been putting out those statements on social media for a while now, but now he is back announcing his intention to sue Facebook, Twitter, and Google from blocking him from their platforms. He had a press conference um, at, I, I believe it was his golf club in Bedminster, uh, New Jersey. This is what he had to say. Freedom of
0: speech has always been understood as a bedrock of our liberty and our strength. In America, we recognize that the freedom to speak our minds and express the truth that is our heart, really, that's really a big chunk of our heart, it is our heart, is not granted to us by government, it's given to us by God, and no one should have the power to take that right away. The Founding Fathers inscribed this right in the very first amendment to our Constitution because they knew that free speech is essential to the prevention, and look, to the prevention of horror and to the preservation of our republic. But remember the words, the prevention of horror, because we're very close to seeing that now in our country. We've never been in a position like this, and it's all happened very quickly. In the words of the father of our country, although some would like to take that title away from him, George Washington, he will not be canceled. If freedom of speech... If freedom of speech may be taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Pretty
1: well known phrase and so true. I'm going to be a little bit of critical of President Trump right now, um, and this is one of my biggest criticisms of President Trump was that when he was in office and he had the, the platform of Twitter and he had all the social medias and, and literally he was using um, social media, particularly Twitter to you know push news cycles, to, to, to do all of this other stuff, he had the power. When he was the president of the United States to actually do something about this, I remember there was a, a social media summit that he had at the White House that um a couple of a couple of people that I know from the conservative influencer sort of crowd went to to this thing. And so he got up there and he ran it about big tech censorship and he did all of this other stuff. But he didn't do anything about it. He was the president of the United States. They had the House, the Senate, and the presidency for the first two years, and he did nothing about it. It irritates me to no end. That is, I think, one of the biggest failures of his administration is that when he had the chance to do something, he did not do it. So no, he does not have as much power now as he did when he was president. And so... That irritates me about him. So there was a lot of complaining and not a whole lot of doing. And and you know what, you can critique uh, his administration in a lot of different ways. There there was a lot of complaining about stuff and not a whole lot of doing. But... This isn't just about Trump. Now, one of the co-plaintiffs, because he's got co-plaintiffs in this lawsuit, um, is a mother who was banned from social media for sharing information from, I believe it was the World Health Organization, about mask efficacy for kids. Obviously, you know, even WHO says that kids under five should not be having to wear masks, obviously. So there are big questions here about big tech basically using all of their power to act as, as de facto arms um, of the government or or whatever administration they see fit. So now, when you think about the fact, I remember last summer, there was a lot going on about, you know, COVID, and, and people were just trying to get different information about coronavirus when, you know, most of the big cities were under lockdowns and all that other stuff. There were, I, I believe, these two doctors that had this huge press, press conference, and they basically broke down for about an hour and a half all of the coronavirus myths. They they broke down the fact that, you know, people likely cannot... Um, transmit coronavirus if they're asymptomatic we've we now know that that is true um they said that hydrochloroquine is a really effective way to to treat coronavirus we now know that that is true but yet the big tech censors at youtube said that this is not information that should be put out so they literally banned this video from youtube and i believe that they kicked these people off this coplane of the mother um she was banned off twitter For, you know, talking about mask efficacy for kids. So there's big questions about big tech and whether they are too powerful. If you guys have been following me over the last three to four years, you know, I say over and over and over again these tech companies are way too powerful. These tech companies are way too powerful. They restrict our speech. They restrict what can and cannot be said, and they put people into this little box of what is acceptable or not acceptable um, based on what you know the prevailing narrative is. And that is not something that we should accept. And when you think about this, when you think about the power that big tech has to literally um, influence elections, think about this. Now, the New York Post was banned from Twitter for sharing the Hunter Biden story about the stuff that happened on Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, we all know that everything that happened in that Hunter Biden laptop story, that was a real story that came from his laptop. All of that stuff has been verified. All of that stuff has been vetted. If we had a mainstream media that was interested in doing anything but covering um, for, for Democrats, then there would have been a lot more media coverage on that. But you guys have to understand that we do not have a, a free media anymore. We have a corporate media that does bidding for Democrats. So now the New York Post was banned from Twitter for sharing the Hunter Biden story. I believe Kaylee McEnany was banned from Twitter for retweeting the New York Post. It, it, there were so many people that they touched, if you touch that Hunter Biden story, which we now know to be true, they were banned from social media. Now, when you talk about the ability that this stuff has to literally affect and swing elections, listen to this fact. This is from the Media Research Center, the founder and president, Brent Bosel And he basically talked about a study that they did. And this is him. this is his quote. We took a survey after the elections on the night of the elections and asked Democrats, If they knew about the Hunter Biden story, a full 36% of Democrats that they surveyed knew nothing about the Hunter Biden story. Further, 4.6% of Democrats said they would not have voted for Joe Biden had they known this story. They then took that 4.6% and spread it across the electoral landscape. Guess what? Had they known this story, Joe Biden would not have carried Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and the Trump lead would have been more definitive in North Carolina, meaning long story short, that Donald Trump would have won 289 electoral votes and would have been reelected president as the United States. So big tech censorship means something. The ability of Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Google, all of that stuff, their ability to manipulate search results and to manipulate the information that you have is very real. I believe that they are too big. I believe that they need to be broken up. And I believe that it's past time that they were broken up. Now, do I believe that this will ever happen? No. Honestly, guys, I do not. I do not know that this will ever happen. I do not know if this lawsuit will mean anything. I do not know if this will change anything because of this. The big tech people, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and all these people, they have lobbyists that have descended upon Washington, D.C., and they are lobbying people on both sides of the aisle. They lobby people against this. These big tech monopolies have billions of dollars at their disposal, and they float millions and millions of dollars into Washington, D.C. in order for them to get their way. They do not want to be broken up. These people like having this much power. Facebook likes having this much power over what you see and what you read. Google, YouTube, Twitter, it's, they like having this power and they will not give it up. It is going to take either an act of, uh, an act of the presidency that is going to relieve them of this power. I believe that It was one of the biggest failures of the Trump administration is that he did not handle this situation when he had the opportunity to. And honestly, to tell you the truth, he didn't really care about it to do anything about it until he got banned from Twitter. And that's just the real truth, folks. Like That is 100% the truth. All right? So it is going to take an act of the presidency for these big tech companies to be broken up and for big tech censorship to ever truly be dealt with. I hope and I pray that we have a Republican president in 2024, whether it's Trump again, whether it's DeSantis, whether it's whoever, whoever is the Republican nominee in 2024. And if a Republican gets the presidency, they need to handle big tech. Because if they do not, our access to information, um, the way our elections go, all of that stuff is going to be based on that. And it is going to be whatever the big tech censors want you to believe or want you to think or want you to read or want you to know. It is great that President Trump is filing this lawsuit. But unfortunately, I do not think this is going to help. It is going to take a president to fix this, a Republican president. And I hope we get that Republican president in 2024. (laughs)